All right, everyone, welcome to the show. My guest today is Marcus Chan. He's the founder of Venley Consulting Group, he helps sales reps sell more. Uh, and he has sold and led teams for many years. I'm really excited to have him on today. Marcus, welcome. Hey, Derek, thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait to uh, chat about leadership today. Well, let's jump into it, man. Like, I think what's really interesting to me, ask everybody this, because it's always a good story. How did you first become a sales leader? Yeah, uh, what a great question, right? And, uh, you know, like my, um, my go-to answer is like, hey, we're all leaders, you know, at heart, right? Which it is true to a certain extent, right? But once you are actually leading people, you're responsible for people, it definitely is a transition. And, um, you know, I think I was really fortunate that I had the opportunity to start leading people relatively young into my sales career. Um, when I first got started in sales, I was terrible at sales. Then I eventually figured it out, started having success. And about six months in, I was asked to go lead uh, a couple of my peers in another operation that was doing terrible. And that was like my first taste of leadership. Now, I didn't have the title, so I was really influencing my peers, but I was responsible, responsible for the P&L, the profit and loss of that operation and sales and everything else. So they said, hey, Marcus, we want you to go and lead this operation, and, uh, but they are your peers. not going to promote you, make you and pay you any more, but if you prove yourself, we will ultimately give you the official title, the comp, and everything goes with it as long as you do a great job. So I jumped at the opportunity, right? I thought it'd be a great opportunity to prove myself. And uh, you know, I think like a lot of people who are wanting to prove themselves and jump into that role, I came in with you know a 30, 60, 90 day plan. I was about 21 years old at the time. Yeah, a 30, 60, 90 day plan. And I was all ready to go. I'm like, okay, this is what probably the, the, the branch is struggling with. This is what they need to do. This is what they need to turn their numbers around. So I remember I came in day one and I held my very small team of two people. And I said, hey, everybody, like, uh, obviously you guys have been pretty much been failing. I have this awesome strategy and plan that I need your help to work together. We're going to turn this place around and put our, our names on the map. Right. And uh, pretty really much well. it went uh, <laughs> quite awful and uh, pretty much a mutiny, right? And uh, I mean, they were like, I could just see it on their faces. Like they were pissed. I mean, and on top of that, they were like all older than me. They've been in the company for a longer Right. Um, and, you know, they just I mean, I was being egotistical, really. And uh, I, uh, I remember I went home that day. I'm like, I, I, I knew like I was at least smart to know I did not get their buy in. And uh, I went home that day to uh, to my girlfriend now wife, and I was complaining about them. I was like, what is wrong with them? Like, like I've been winning for these last few months. They should listen to me. They've seen my name on a scoreboard. They should do what I tell them. Like I am, I mean, I'm not on the title, but they should do what I say because that's the role they put me in. And my girlfriend looked at me like I was an idiot, which I was being an idiot. And she says, yeah, but they don't trust you. They don't know you. Like you came in there, like you didn't even, you don't even understand what's going on in their minds. You basically told them they don't, we're all failures. Um, and I was like, well, I didn't call them failures. I'm like, she's like, no, you went in there and essentially didn't even get to know them at all. Didn't, you have no idea what's going on in their heads. And you just try to shove down their throats a new 30, 60, 90 day plan, which they probably don't even care about. And, uh, and that was like, a, I mean, she, she was hard on me, but I needed to hear that. And that was like an, uh, an aha. I was like, oh, wow, you're right. Um, I, I didn't earn, you know, their trust and respect. It didn't matter now the title. Uh, I wasn't being, I wasn't acting a leader. I was acting a fool really. And, uh, and, and I was really, that was a really big aha. And I remember I went the next day and I, 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 I sat each one down individually and I apologized. 
and I, and I say, hey, listen, um, I, I made a really big mistake. Like, I, I came in yesterday. I had this, you know, I just, I want to really improve, impress our boss. I want to get, I want to do all these things, but I, I, that wasn't, that wasn't fair of me to come in here and make a lot of assumptions and try to convince you guys to do what I want to do. That wasn't the right way. And I'm really sorry. And it was interesting just, just in that moment, it was um, for each, each of the only two reps, those two reps, they were like, it was almost like a sigh of relief. They're like, okay. All right. And that was like the, the first sign of buy-in, right? Um, and then, uh, and that was my first taste of really getting into that, that type of leadership role. And that was a real hard lesson for me to learn. And, you know, I learned a lot of lessons along the way, but uh, really fortunate. I started working with them, collaborating with them, building strategies together and executing and working with them. And fortunately, you know, over the next six months, we were able to turn the operation around and become number one as a team after that and brought all their numbers up too. So that was a really huge lesson. And I'm really glad I made a mistake because um, if I didn't make that mistake, I probably would have had turnover. They might, they, they, if I didn't re- realize that, they probably would have quit on me. I probably been understaffed. I probably been in an even worse situation because there's no way I was going to be able to hit those goals they had set for me by myself. There's no way. Why do you think apologizing um, worked? you yeah. help get them to start buying India? Yeah. Well, what was interesting is um, I didn't think about it as getting them to buy into me. Um, I just felt awful as a human being. That's really what it was, right? I mean, I, I felt like I'm like, man, like here I am like thinking, um, you know, I think, I think as salespeople in general, we want people to like us and, and think highly of us. So to, to have like my reputation, I felt tarnished because I made a big mistake. I was like, I'm a bozo. Like, you know, like I might be confident, but like, my goal is not to be egotistical. Like I'm, I'm, I'm at least smart enough to know I can own my mistakes. And um, so, I, you know, it's, it's one, one of the pieces of advice I got years ago, uh, or a couple years before then, uh, was from one of my early bosses. And he said, hey, Marcus, um, and whatever you do in life, he said, treat everyone like they're going to be your boss one day because they might. And, uh, and, I, and I realized uh, really in that whole moment, I was not doing that. I was not acting upon his advice he gave me years ago. And I, I felt the only right thing to do was I had to, it wasn't about justifying. I couldn't go in there and try to justify my plan. I was like, I just need to like, like I felt bad. I felt really bad. I'm like, I'm just going to go and apologize. Like when, when I feel bad about something, if I know I did something wrong, like I can't just like, you know, ho-hum, sleep under the rug. So I went and I apologized because that was the right human thing to do. And I think as a result of that, they got to see, number one, me being vulnerable and real. Uh, they got to see a side of me they never saw before because all they saw before that, because, you know, we would interact at these like dinner, these awards dinner every night. All they would see is me getting awards. So in their mind, well, this is why they told me a little bit later, I didn't realize they had a built-in perception about me that I had no idea about. Like in their mind, um, because they saw how regimented, how focused, and, and how, how I execute and I put the work in. They're like, this dude's a machine. Like, he's going to come in here. He's going to work 80, 90 hours a week. He's going to expect to do the exact same thing. He's going to basically be a dictator in his leadership style. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that was what they perceived of me at the time. And you came so, in and you kind of reinforced that with your I, plan, right? 100%. Mm-hmm. I, I, I 100% reinforced all their fears on my first day, you know? And of course, that's why I had a mutiny. They're like, I knew it. Of course, of course, Marcus is a bozo dictator, right? So um, by me just being authentic and real and showing, hey, listen, like I, all I care about is us looking good and winning. And I want to win. I want you guys to win. And I can't do it without you. And I'm really sorry that was my fault. 
just them and, and being authentic and real about it and them seeing, like, I genuinely feel bad. They're like, oh, he is human. He's not a machine. And you know what? Okay, I, I, I get that. Okay, you know what? Like, okay. And uh, that was the first step. That was like, uh, it wasn't like the door swung wide open. They trust me after that. That was like the door got unlocked. That was a key. It got unlocked. And then every single day, they started seeing my behaviors that gained their trust every single day. And it was stuff like, I would always, I always show up. I mean, and I'm not saying every, like every leader needs to work more hours, but like for me, I showed, I, I knew I had something to prove to them. So I, I got to the office before they did. Like, and we live in this, we, we, no, we live, we work in this old building. So there's no heat overnight. So I, I get there early, turn the heat on so that the office is warm. They knew that the office, because before they walk in the office, the office is warm. I tidy up, make sure the office looked look, look the part. So when they came in, I had like a little bit of music going. They felt the vibe coming in, right? And that was really important. So stuff like that. Um, whatever I said, I did. Whatever I committed to them, I did. If, I, if they asked me for help for something, I made sure it got, got done. So they started seeing that I was really a person of my word. And you could, cause you could talk a big game as much as you want as a leader, but they don't really care until they see your actions, right? Like, and that was really, really important. Um, you know, and I took all these little, all these little things really, really added up to keep, continue to gain their trust. It's one of those things where I know as a leader, one of the most important things you have to do is earn their trust every single day. Um, you can't take it for granted. And even though I didn't have the title at the time, that's been the mindset I've always had. So it, it's really that servant leadership, but really, truly serve, not just saying, but actually truly serving them in a whole new way. Because um, when you think of it that way, actually serving your people and helping them and moving obstacles, helping them win then they start winning. And when they start winning and they start seeing progress in the results, they start to trust you more. Like progress is the ultimate motivation in believing in a leader. And that they saw that, especially over the next six months. And of course, as they saw more and more results, the trust gained more and more and more. And that was really, really powerful. And on top of that, it wasn't focusing on just their results. It was focusing on them as a human being. And they saw that I genuinely cared about them and their families and their personal goals that's what started taking the, the goal, the results to the next level because they, they knew I did not see them as a number, a way to get to my goal. They saw me as someone who was arm in arm with them in the trenches to help them get to where they want to go in life. Yeah. Yeah. I love the story. And I, I just want to call it a couple things that you said, but we shouldn't just gloss over. You were vulnerable. This yeah. is for for probably everybody really hard to do no, yeah. nobody wants to be vulnerable nobody wants to admit yes. that we're wrong put ourselves out there but i don't think there's anything that does a better job of conveying um of like opening up trust of of, of yes. unlocking that door as you said right had you yes. not been vulnerable it would have been a, an uphill battle and you didn't 100%. do it as a tactic you did it because it was the right thing to do. Hundred percent. All this act like that. How much easier would life be? Oh yeah, and it's as well as things where it's um for me it's always been a work in progress. Um, you know, and mm -hmm. I think it's just like, you know, I grew up in in a um a Chinese American family, and we grew up very much like hiding our feelings, always saving face, looking the part, acting the part, and uh, and I still even do that to, to this day. So it's hard for me to to be as, to show feelings and be as vulnerable as, as, you know, some people are. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But what was really interesting is, you know, later on, as I um, progressed in my career, I had to come more leadership roles. Um, I started getting a little more comfortable with it. Like early on, I was like probably the first 
shoot, man, probably the first five to eight years, like the vulnerability that I would show was kind of like, because I made a mistake. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't as like open and share with mistakes. I really wasn't. Like I would never talk about mistakes early on uh, unless I got asked specifically about it. Like if someone said, hey, what was the mistake you made early on? I will be like, here's a mistake. But before, like I wouldn't even openly share. It wasn't something I, I wanted to show that I was, oh, you know, I'm a strong leader. I always know, I always did everything right, which is not true. Like no leader was born out of the womb saying I'm a phenomenal leader and I never make mistakes. <laughs> that's just, that's not, not real. real. You know, mm-hmm. we have many trials and tribulations along the way um, that help, you know, uh, make us the best the, the version of who we are today. Um, you know, it's either you win or you learn. There's always learnings regardless. And this is where it's, uh, it's interesting because um, as I progressed in my career, I saw how valuable that was. As I, as I progressed up the ladder, I saw the further I wake up from the rep level, the more of a, a machine they saw me because they saw me execute. So they thought, like, he's just not human. Like he just, he just likes routine and schedules and that's how he is. Like, you know, he's gonna be a dictator. And I knew that that continued to extrapolate. So that's why early on in those, in those roles, as I became more confident in myself, more mature, I realized, Hey, you know what? It wasn't necessarily a tactic. It's just like, Hey, it's okay to be real. It's okay to share your mistakes. It's okay to talk about how you fail. It's okay to talk about these things because we're all human. Like, like, I've been teaching, uh, you know, teaching coaching sales for years now. Do I botch sales calls? 100% still do. Nobody's perfect. Okay. If I had a bad day and maybe I got off a bad call, somebody else, maybe something went sideways. Of course we're only human. We're not machines. Okay. It's okay to make mistakes. So if you can go back and, well, I guess you got the opportunity then to you, you almost got a mulligan. You had to apologize and then, go about doing the thing in the way that you should maybe you know, air quotes should have done it. But right. now you have all this other experience. Yeah. So let's say you could go back in time before you walked in and, and presented your 30, 60, 90 to that team and talk to yourself. What would you tell yourself to do instead? Yeah. Um, and there's a great book. It's kind of a, it's a classic, right? Um, it's Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. Right. Okay. And, uh, you know, and one, one of the big quotes in there is, you know, begin with the end in mind. Okay. And that's, to me, it's a really powerful one because it's really understanding, hey, what's the end goal? Okay. When, when I walk in there, what's my end goal? My end goal is to be able to influence in a positive way, not be addicted, but influence in a positive way to people who do not know me and to help work together to achieve common goals, right? So the first thing is understanding that and just having that type of self-awareness, right? And then from there, it's, it's going to be, okay, how can I go now and earn their trust and, and earn it every single day? And that, that's the first thing I would ask myself, right? But here's how I would actually, what I would do differently now, okay? Like, and, and the thing is, um, I'll tell you right now, I've been really fortunate now where I have taken over many rebuilds and, and been really fortunate to turn them around. And it's only because I've done so many rebuilds that I've learned um, how to do it this way because uh, it's only because I made the mistakes of, of you know, going in with an iron fist, if you will, <laughs> with a stupid plan that you can't even execute anyways, right? I did all the mistakes. So this is what I'll do the first day. The first day, I could redo it. I would take both those reps out to breakfast, okay? Together, okay? Outside, outside the office um, because number one, I need to make sure I put them in an environment they feel really, really comfortable. 
Number two, I will clearly state the objections I know they have about me. <laughs> okay. Like I know they're going to have some fears about me and, I, and my, in my breakfast, I have to be really, really, it's, this is where it's key, right? Cause um, anytime you communicate anything, you need to have the three T's in mind. You have to have tact, tone and timing. Okay. So the timing here is good because I'm nailing up front. I'm neutralizing because the walls are up. I know that. Let's go out to breakfast. Let's talk about talk. Let's talk about how we can work together as a team. We will go to breakfast, and uh, and I'm gonna be really direct with them. Hey, you know what? Like, I just want to say thank. I'll be very appreciative. Be, hey, I just want to say thanks, you guys, for the opportunity for us to work together. Like, um, you know, I'm really excited about this opportunity, and uh, I want to put your mind at ease up front. Um, you might see me as a guy who is a machine and does these things, who's very regimented, um, but that's not the way I don't, I don't expect you to be that way. Okay. Like that's, that's just not who I am. Okay. Like, I mean, like you are you cause you, you, that's what makes you great. I'm me. That's what makes me who I am. So my goal today for breakfast is let's just talk this out. And uh, I want to get to know you all like share with me, like your background. What are you all about? Like, and just focus away from work about them personally, and then lead that into from a work perspective, what are some of the challenges you've had? What are some of the struggles you've had? Right, how about you? Make sure both of them are bought in. How, how, how can I help support you and me together? How can I help you together? Right? And really, it's really 100% focused on them. It's, re it's really like a discovery call, if you will. Like literally, I'm just uncovering what's important to them, what their goals are as a team, what their struggles are, and discussing how can we work together. And that's very, very powerful. Just, just, that's the first thing I would do, right? Like, cause it's also a unique situation where I wasn't their boss, right? Like, and I would say, I would say up front, like, I would also state this as well. I would say, hey, listen, I'm not your boss. Like we're in this together. We're literally a team without a leader. Uh, so let's work together to win. Like, and that's how we can win together. Like, I'm not your boss. You're not my boss, but we represent each other. <laughs> What you do is a reflection of me and vice versa, right? And understanding that, right? And just addressing it up front, you know? And, and then from then, that's, a for, that's really the first thing because you don't want to get too crazy to like, here's how we're going to make decisions. Here's how, you just, that's just making it more like casual, but hey, this is about us, you know? And then I would start showing up by action, right? Because hopefully at that, at, after that breakfast, they're like bought in. They're bought in, Right. And then like bought into not me as a leader, but as a human being, right? And then from right. there, being able to go and then and start leading by example throughout the days to show them, you know, I'm like I'm contributing, I want to contribute to their success. I want to help them. And, um, you know, even, because you have to be very careful in that, in, that, in that role. If I'm like, okay, hey, we're going to have a sales meeting every day this time and we're going to do this. Because that, I wasn't in that role quite yet, they're still not going to, they're going to be like, this is like, what are you doing? Like you just went against my actions have to match up to everything I said in that first meeting. Uh, and it builds off of there. Right. And what's going to happen automatically is once you start establishing yourself that you can be trusted, you're doing all the right things. You are automatically positioning yourself as a go-to person leader in the office, even without a leader there or a title. So that's what I would do differently upfront is focus on that gaining their human trust first um, before we make any type of business changes or decisions. Cool. And so that was timing, tone. And what was the third thing? Uh, tact, tone, and timing. The triple tact. T's. 
tact. Exactly. So your your tact is gotta be very key, like how you do it, right? Like it's kind of like if I was to do that kind of same scenario, but I'm like I took the manager office and I sat them down, okay, and they sat across from me from a table, and that was like my tact of doing it. Well, even my tone and timing are nails. They're like. You just move into the manager office. You're saying we're in this together, but you're sitting in the manager's chair. Right. What are you doing? Right. Like, right, right. what are you doing? You know? <laughs> um, nice. And then you, uh, I believe you inevitably moved into managing managers. Was that at the same company or somewhere else? Or can you talk about that experience? Yeah, great question. So uh, I was really fortunate. at that that company I was at. Um, I, I ended up earning multiple other promotions, um, but they were really taking on larger operations and teams. So I was still leading individual contributors. Um, and then in 2011, I, I made a jump and I actually took a, a basically a demotion, if you will, by two levels, and then um, go back to the individual contributor role because I saw the opportunity. And at that new company I was at, uh, you know, I got promoted to be a sales manager in about nine months, and then from there. I uh, took over an underperforming team, basically took all the mistakes I did prior and applied it and turned it around this team. And then I became a director in about four and a half years. And at that point I was leading leaders of other people. So I was leading at that time, I was, that was 2016. I had, I think it was nine sales managers at the time at, at 85 total reps at the time. How do you apply this when you have sales managers who report to you? Yeah, great question. So, uh, and here's the thing, because at this point I had learned, and here's the thing, leading leaders is a different game, um, a definitely totally different game. And as well as things were, I knew when I got that promotion, because I interviewed against some of my peers who I was now going to be their boss, right? Um, and right. who had more experience, more accolades, more everything else, Um I knew, again, same concept, I had to earn their trust, okay? I had to earn their trust, you know? And there was, um, because all my teams were remote, there were some things I had to do a little bit differently as well, right? Because I couldn't see them every day. I couldn't do this kind of same thing. So, um, you know, the first, in our very first one-on-one, you know, like with all my new man, all my new managers, so, you know, there's a whole announcement, I got the role, which is fine. But individually, um, I had one-on-ones with all my managers first, right? And... Uh, and it was really a very similar conversation, right? It was, it was like, hey, listen, I know, you know, a week ago that, you know, I was, you know, a salesman and today I have a new title. I want you to forget about the title. Uh, my number one goal in this new role is I am like your like co-manager. That's it. My job is to help you win and help you lead your team. That's it. You know, and I made sure each of them understood that that was really important. And of course, um, I, I was very strategic with how I had engaged with them and really made sure I started uncovering what their goals are, their motivations, their desires, where they want to go in life, what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were, and how can I help them, right? And that was really important. Now, on top of that, uh, and that, that was really important. I, I also made zero changes too. I made zero changes the first 90 days. That's really important. Like, if you make, if you walk in, you make all these changes, they don't trust you as a leader. If it's like, okay, Hey, this is how we want to one. This is how we debrief. Here's a form we use. Here's this, here's that. Mm -hmm. They don't like that. So yeah. the first wanna, 30 days. throw in for our listeners. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. The exception to that is if yeah. you're, you have a turnaround or you're like basically starting the, the team from the ground up. Right. Totally so right. Like, totally right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So this is like, these are already established teams. Now they were like, some were underperforming, some were not. Right. Um, so mm -hmm. if, 
there's like a fire going on, you put the fire out immediately. You have to be like, okay, you know what? Do not do that because that's going to get you fired, right? Take care of those situations first. Right? Like, that's, those are the exceptions, right? So um, yeah. now um, on, on top of that, uh, now I made sure I, I was on a traveling spree. I went and visited all my operations and teams uh, in the first uh, two months because I had multiple teams. I'd travel all around. I went and visit every single one, and I was there for like three days each. All right. Um, and one of the first things I did. time too. Yeah, very, very important. Um, now, because I knew, I knew that there would be some trust issues for sure. Right. Because again, like I knew some people saw me they're like, oh, look at Marcus. He's like, this guy, like he is the boss's favorite. He wins all the time and he's going to be a machine. He does all these things. He runs a hundred miles, you know, a, a minute. Like this is how he's going to treat us and be a dictator. I knew that already. Right? I already already knew that that's fine so and of course obviously the exceptions are people that i was really good friends with they knew that they're like oh cool i'm excited marcus is the boss but there were still some who just didn't know me that well so um i knew i had to work extra hard for them so um on on the very first location visit you know and i was really structured in how i do my location visits um so i i get there the first thing i do i do a team huddle bring all the reps in together we have breakfast etc um and uh, it's really an onboarding of me is what it is. And um, I did something that was called, uh, in our company, it's called My Reflections. And I shared my story, my background, and I shared failures. I saw failure, 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 failure. So they could immediately see my vulnerability because I knew, again, I need them to trust me, like me, and know that I'm human. And I do not expect them to be this way. And then on top of that, um, I also presented my goals and visions for the market, which I made sure aligned to all most reps, common goals and vision as well. Like it'd be stuff like, Hey, just want to give you, uh, so you know what my goals are. My goals are uh, for everyone here to maximize your comp plan. I want you to make as much money as possible. You can do whatever you want. So you can see like, Oh, awesome. I want to reduce your stress. I want to give you more skills so you increase your gain. Right. And it, it was all documents. I just showed them like, Oh, awesome. 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 So they're like saying yes, yes, yes. As I'm going through. And then I say, Hey, listen, I think what's really important is I want you to know what you expect of me. So I listed out like, Hey, here's my leadership. So here's what you expect of me. This is how I lead. This is what I, this is like what you expect of me. I'm going to do this, 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 and this, this is now they know that this is the agreement they can hold me to. And then I went to say, Hey, listen, but this is what I expect of you. Right. And they weren't anything crazy. It's like, hey, I expect you to give 100% every single day. I expect you to give me feedback. The good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> okay, like, like help me become better. I don't know, I don't know. I can't read your mind, right? So it was stuff like that. So they're like, oh, beautiful, right? Um, and yeah, I went through all of that. So this, I, by, at the end of the hour, they're like, okay, cool. Open Q&A as well. So I'm sharing my personal stories. I'm sharing my failures. I'm sharing what they expect of me, uh, you know, what, what I expect of them. So walk away, they know, hey, this is what Marcus is all about. This is what I expect of him. Now that's just unlocking the door and opening the door a little bit. That's all it is, okay? Then I had one-on-ones every single rep. So I signed on every single rep. So every rep was between, it was between eight to 10 reps for a team. I signed on every single rep for 30 minutes. And just, we talk, uh, if they try to talk about business, I brought it away from his back to them. All I want to know is them, their family, who they are, their goals, their aspirations. That's all I focus on, right? And of course, I took notes and documented everything, okay? Really, really important. Now, on top of that, as, as some of the rest of the business went on, 
uh, usually that was day one. The next day, I would hold another meeting with the team and I'd run a sales training. And that was really important. So I'd run a sales training with the team because uh, I need the leader and the reps to know I actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. So I would run a training, I would train them, and I'd role play. I'll be, I'll be the salesperson. I'd role play and show them how it's done, and they would do it. Right. So walking away, they're like, "Okay, cool. We trust him as a person. He's good. He's good. He's a good human being. He's got the skills now." Then after that, I would get on the phones with them. I'll get on the phones with them. So now here I'm on the phones with them, making calls with them, and, and helping them, and coaching, guiding them. And then the next, that rest of that day, uh, and also uh, the next day as well, I would get in the field two different reps and go run appointments. So now they're seeing like, okay, he, he's like, he actually knows what he's talking about. He's coaching, he's guiding, he's 100% invested in, in our success. And I'm not, I'm not in the car just like sitting there taking notes. I'm sitting there helping, jumping in, tweaking, adjusting, letting them fail, coaching, guide, and supporting them, bringing them up. So they got to see all that live. And then uh, each night, I'll do a, a group dinner as well with the team for whoever can make it. I usually split them up with the team. It's like more intimate. And we just talk zero business, just purely about them. So you notice there, there's a, there's a heavy focus on building that camaraderie and trust, right, uh, emotionally and logically. And that's why those three days are so vital from the very get-go um, because I need the leader to do that. Oh, I forgot to mention too. Um, the, fir- the, first, the first, the Tuesday night, the first dinner I would have was actually with the sales leader and the spouse. That was really important. Oh, interesting. Very important. Yeah. And, and the reason is simply this. Um, I know when that leader has a really tough day, from whether it's an employee, maybe had, maybe had a difficult conversation with them or whatever it's going to be, they're going to go and complain. I need the spouse to be on my side. So the spouse would be like, hey, you know, like Marcus was tough on you because he needed it. Like you needed this because you're not performing. Right. Like he's only, he's hard on you because he cares. So that was really important. Right. And that's, that's one of the the strategies I utilize to help. I mean, I took our turnover down from, we were at 40, 50% to down to uh, 17% a year. Okay. Um, Because I, it's strategies like this. Right. So that was really vital um, to do that. And that was really powerful. The spouse really bought in. So. So what did you talk about at that dinner? It was all about them. I was say, hey, you know, where you, I get to know where they're from, their background, how they meet. I mean, I usually point, I, I, I had a good idea about their kids. So I, could, I could name drop their kids. So like, okay, cool. So Sadie's, what, what, about five years old? Is that right? Yeah, she is. Awesome. Like, does she play sports? What's she, what's she into? You know, I'd share funny stories. I'd share pictures of my kids. You know, like, we, it, it was just a, a human conversation, right? That's what it was. And, I, of course, um, I always made sure – like I'll give that spouse a ton of kudos, right? Because regardless of how they performed, there is still greatness within them and they're probably doing some things really, really well. And I made sure that happened, right? Um, so that was part of that strategy of the spouse. But that upfront early, early, earliness of doing these type of things really added up. Now, there were other things I did as well to gain the trust constantly, right? I mean, I did hand, like every week, I wrote handwritten notes to reps every single week. Okay, not to all of them, only to all top performers. I mean, at the time, I mean, my team grew to 110, 100, 110 employees. And um, every Friday, I'll just write five to 10 handwritten notes to them just to, for whatever it was, uh, performers, whatever, whatever I saw, and I, I mailed them out, right? Um, and then uh, this is a really key strategy I did. This really helped with, with the, the sales leader. Here's the thing. If you can uh, uh, serve your sales leader super well, 
and your leadership style and you train, develop, and help them, they will become a better leader for their people, right? So uh, additional, additional things I did as well is, I mean, I spent a lot of time training the leaders. Like our group calls the leaders. We little, okay, so every, every other week we had a leadership call with, with the sales leaders. We only, as our call, we only talked numbers for five minutes. That's only time. The other 55 minutes, if it, if it even ran that long, was 100% focused on their development, okay? And I only spoke for maybe 30% of that sales meeting or for that meeting with the leaders. The other percentage was, was them. Them sharing best practice. So I, I created this uh, environment for my sales leaders where they can share openly ideas and best practice. If, if, if all location visits, I saw, oh, you know what? I love the way you rent, you rent phones. This is, this is brilliant. This is a simple thing. Can you share on our next week's call? And that was empowering for the sales leader. They felt really good. They got rec- recognition. But on top of that, they became better at their job being able to explain how, what they're doing. And that's only going to prepare them for that next level jump, right? Because they, they can, they, they can uh, transfer these skills to other things, right? Because at the end of the day, um, you know, leadership is, is, different, is, is different than sales in, in, in many different ways. But in some ways, it's the same. But leadership is a transfer of belief, right? And it's so key in every touch point with your leaders or your reps, you are helping them believe in themselves, in you, in the product, in the offer, in whatever. Because only when they have really high belief can they perform the level they expect themselves. So that's why I was so key, all those little things, right? And sometimes they may not believe themselves, so they need someone like me or their spouse. So one of the things that I did as well, that was a super ninja move, if you will, right? Was every quarter I wrote a, uh, a, thank, you, a thank you note to the spouse every quarter. Mailed it to their house. And in that letter, I would thank the spouse for all their support and everything else. But on top of that, I would also include all the great things their spouse did. I'm like, Jessica had a phenomenal quarter as well. Super proud she did this, this, and this as well. I don't know she, and, and here's the thing. Like, I would get like, and I would include my, my personal cell on there as well. Like, I'm like, hey, if you have any questions, concerns, or anything, call or text me. So I'll get these calls and texts from spouses saying, wow, that was awesome. Thank you so much for that letter. Like, they were literally like, I would have, they would tell me that they would huddle the family and read, like, they were like, I remember uh, Kurt was one of my sales managers and his wife, Stephanie was like, literally, they had like five kids. Like, we huddle the family, we get the letter and I read it to the kids because he never talks about work. Wow. So that's really powerful, right? Because here's the thing, right? Because as part of being a leader, you need to endear the hearts and minds of everyone in your network. And that's not just your direct reports or your reports below them, but also their families. So I focused a lot of energy into doing that. I'll give an example, right? So I did something called, what's called, the, I call the gratitude newsletter. So every single, uh, every single, every six months, I would have my admin uh, collect, I would email all the reps, all the reps, man. I said, hey, listen, um, we've had another bang out quarter or bang out last two quarters. We killed it, whatever. Hey, listen, I know you all had a lot of great work success. I want to know what did you do with what your work success? Like, how did you utilize it? Did you get married? Did you have babies? Did you do whatever? Show me. Send me pictures. So I can flood all these pictures of people getting married, spending time with family, giving away charity, buying house, buying new houses, buying new cars, whatever it was. It was like it was these amazing pictures, celebrating birthdays, or just them just hanging out family, just feeling good. So I had all these pictures every every six months, and I put them into a newsletter. And I put in this newsletter, and I'll just know, but hey, like. 
also wants to say, hey, listen, we had another bang out quarter. This is the results we got, which is actually irrelevant. The most important things are the pictures, are the pictures you see here. This is what people have achieved with the success they had at work. When they become the best version of themselves at work, they become the best versions of themselves at home. And here you are. Thank you for all your support on going support. Here's my cell. Call me if you need anything. Boom. And then we printed it up. We mail it to everyone's house. Right? This newsletter. Right? It wasn't digital. It was mailed out. So that way they got it and they're going to put it on the fridge because exact pictures on there because people do that with holiday cards. So I was very strategic. I would do this right around Thanksgiving time. So the whole family's seen it. And I'll do it like another one during the summertime as well, right? And the reason is you get more people coming over, et cetera, right? And the cool part is, is what happens is people see this type of stuff. And then they, uh, they, they, they talk about it at home. They talk about it. So when they're having a tough day, that leader, that rep is having a tough day. They have a reminder of how good their situation is. Because oftentimes when you can have an attitude of gratitude, it transitions how you think. And when you do some stuff like this, this helps transfer that belief it's possible. So even if you were an underperforming rep or manager, you see the picture just like, dang. <sighs> the issue isn't the company. The issue isn't Marcus. It's right here in my own head and in my own heart. I can make this happen. Right. And that's how you start winning the hearts and minds of your people to get the results you want. And whether it's leading individual directly or leaders later. I did, I did the same thing as a sales leader to individual contributors, but I scaled it at a bigger level too. Yeah. It, something like that would also remind them why they're doing what they're doing. Why am I yeah. going to go work hard today? Even though it's the Friday before the 4th of July or whatever, like exactly right. Why am I going to chase down this extra deal today or then the month or quarter? And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah, powerful. Really right? powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, when you, when you think about the, the five love languages, right? Um, in general, um, a lot of salespeople, they, ha they have a certain level of words of affirmation, right? That they really appreciate. Mm -hmm. And stuff like that is very powerful. I mean, the sales, like sales rep job is very hard, okay? Whether you yeah. are a BDR, an SDR, an AE, full cycle, it doesn't matter. It's a hard job. Like you are generating something from nothing. And sometimes, you know, as leaders, you we can forget about how hard the job really is. And when you focus on just cracking the whip, you get a short-term result. But when you focus on winning the hearts and minds of your people, they will do more, way more than you ever believe, right? And then if you learn how to uh, help tap into this discretionary effort, you will see them contribute as a greater level as a human being, serving the company at a greater level than before and doing more than just a number. They will become leaders of leaders. And if you can learn how to do that as a skill, that's very powerful. And, you'll, and your teams will always perform, always. Dude, this is really good shit, man. I appreciate you coming <laughs> on and sharing all this. <laughs> it's tactical, right? Sweating. It's tactical, yeah. yeah. I did a thing. I wish I had done your newsletter. I, I at one point, um, decided that I was going to handwrite birthday cards for everybody. Yeah. Yep. You know, so I would, I would write about these like fun, fun cards. And then I would write a note about why I appreciated the person. And so on yes. their birthday, I would just, I would give that to them. Yes. And, uh, and then I also had congratulatory cards. Um, when people got promoted off my team, Yes. you know, or any kind of promotion, it would be like, boom, this is why I know you're going to be really successful in this role. Yes. Like, these are the things that I know about you. And, 
think your the newsletter takes that to the next level for sure. Well, here's here's the thing, right? Um, and for those listening out there, you don't have to do a fancy newsletter. Um, because what I didn't didn't mention to you was I did those same things as well. And um, one of the things I did, mm-hmm. and uh, my boss taught me this, and uh, I thought this was really powerful. So he went uh, when I got promoted to be a sales leader. I thought, I mean, I loved it. He went at a promotional announcement. He got a frame and he sent to me. That was like, wow, I love that. Okay, so I started doing that. Um, What he also did for me um, was anytime I had success or whatever, um, he would send me, uh, he had the special like, you know, like, like, you know, stationary. It was was like a nice card with just his name on there. So I know it was like from his desk and he would handwrite a nice note and send it to me. And I love those, right? And uh, so I, he, when I got promoted to be a sales manager, he got me a box of those. When I came in a director, he got me another box of those. And, um, and, I, and I would blast through them, right? So as a director, even a sales manager, anytime I rep did something really well or whatever, I would do the same thing. And as a director, it was really powerful, right? Because as you, as you kind of ascend up the ladder, you know, people kind of just disconnect you from the field a little bit. They're like, okay, right. he, you know, he or she is too high now, whatever. Um, I didn't want that one. Yeah, so I want to bring them close together. So uh, I would write these these notes as well, right, on these cards. That's, that's how I did my notes. And the thing was, was really interesting is when I would travel, I would see their, their cubes littered, not littered, like, you know, pinned up all these notes, and, uh, and they had, the, to me, that was really powerful because they, they saw they're like, you know, because at the time, the, the director before, they're like, he never did this. Like, you actually, like, we know it's hard to do that. Like, like it's kind of like a prospect knows when you do a handwritten note, that's hard. Like, it takes some work. So the reps yeah. on that too, they're like, wow, like, you took time to actually write these and send it to us, you know, um, and you're consistent. Like, I was consistent with it. So they, know, they knew it wasn't like, oh, one quarter I did it. They know if they performed, they got positive affirmations from me, from whether it's from emails to handwritten notes to gratitude newsletter. I, I basically had all these systems in place designed to be in front of them, right, to help inspire them. Because I knew if they're having a tough day, and because I traveled there, I was only there maybe once a quarter, maybe twice a quarter. I'm like, I needed them to know I was always going to be top of mind with them. That was really important. Yeah. Yeah. And you make them feel important. Dale Carnegie's like, that's just what people want. Yeah. One, one super ninja hack thing I did as well is um, every quarter, in addition to that, I would set up uh, 10 minute calls with every single employee in my, in my, so every single admin, every single installer, every single rep, 10 minutes, me, me and them one-on-one, like no manager, nobody else involved. And that call was a hundred percent focused on them. Like I would call them up and just be like, what are your biggest obstacles? I mean, I we have a war. I'm like, what are your biggest challenges? How can I support you? Right? Like, it was literally 100 focused on helping them. It was interesting is um, by doing that so consistently, they they felt more open to call and text them when they had a tough day. Like, I would, I, I'd have people like literally they would call me first, but they call the manager. They would like call me and say, hey, listen, can we talk? Or they tell me, can we talk again in the fall? I'm thinking about quitting. Tell me more. What's going on, right? And I wouldn't try. I wouldn't try to sell them on not quitting. I'd seek right. to understand. And then I'd be so happy like, to get that call from somebody. I'm, I'm like, thank God you called me because when you quit, it hurts me too, right? It hurts everybody. So, mm-hmm. um, and then I'd be really pissed at the manager because clearly the manager did not do a good job endearing and engaging the hearts and minds of their people. So, um, but that's a different conversation. But anyways, that was powerful and being able to have a connection with them 
was very, very important. You know, and it's when the bigger the team you have, the harder it is to do, but those little things really can create a big difference in just gaining their trust and showing them, hey, you know what? You're a real person too. And you want them to win. Here's the thing. At the end of the day, no leader says, I want my, my team to fail. No one says that. They want all the reps, all their employees in their org to win massively. And the best way to do it is to gain their trust, to have a transfer of belief and work them side by side as much as you can to help lift them up and serve them so that they can go be the best version of themselves, which will ultimately lead to them hitting their numbers, destroying their numbers, achieving their goals professionally and personally, and having them feel connected to you as not just a leader to employee, but as a human-to-human connection. Yeah. Man, I feel like we could go on for hours and hours, but I know we're <laughs> up on time here. Um, hey, man, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing this. I got a ton of notes. Uh, I'm going you know, to put some links in the, in the show notes for, for the audience books that you talked about. Five Blog Languages is great um, and more. But, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Marcus. Hey, Derek, thanks so much for having me on. It was an absolute blast. <laughs>